everyone, my name is Lorenzo. Welcome back to another episode of Was That a Fever Dream? Every week on this show, I discuss a pop culture moment, person, or trend that has felt like a fever dream. Whether that would be an t- early 2000s fashion trend, cringy internet habits when you were a teenager, or simply just your favorite artist's flop era, I'm here to talk about it all. If you want to support the pod, please don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this. And don't forget to rate the show to give it an extra boost. Hi, guys. Happy Monday. Um, actually, let me just rephrase that because I actually really don't like it when people say happy Monday. I think it's like a crazy, it's a crazy term. Happy new week to everybody. <laughs> um, I'm back. As you can see, I was not here last week because, you know, I had a very adventurous weekend um, and so a bitch was hungover and I just didn't have any means to record an episode. But, you know, the universe works in unique ways and I feel like this topic, this week's topic is somewhat relevant to a new story that's happening currently but let me just backtrack a little bit i'm just going to talk quickly about my weekend last weekend because i just you know i just feel like i have to talk about it so i went to sizza 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 concert say that three times fast sizza concert sizza concert um and let me just tell you i had the time of my life i had an amazing time I am a big fan of SZA. The last time I saw her was in 2017 for her Control Tour. And she played, for those of you listening who live in Toronto, she played Rebel, which is tiny compared to where she's playing now. She's playing Big Arena. She's a Big Arena girl, okay? The show itself was like, first of all, really high production. Like, she had a budget this time around okay (laughs) she had a show she had she gave us storylines she gave us visuals um she gave us choreography she gave us vocals her mic was one and honestly like it was a really really good show i like that she incorporated a lot of control because i think you know obviously control was like my favorite album i i love sos don't get me wrong no hate don't get me wrong but control was that album i really love that she played a lot of her like underrated classics and overall it's a really good show if you are lucky enough to go see her then go see her um i do have to say okay so basically there was a bit of an issue um going into the venue because basically doors were originally supposed to open at seven but I don't know what happened. Um, There was like a last minute change and they had announced it on Twitter um, probably like half an hour before that doors were going to be opening at eight instead of seven. So, you know, everybody was kind of squished in the arena. It was giving Firefest. It was giving, um, what was that festival with Travis Scott? What was that called? Astro World, Astro Fest. It was giving that. Okay. Everybody was just trying to get in. The secure it was just not, it was not organized. It was very chaotic. Anyways, that's all I have to say. Go see SZA if you can. Go stream her music. Go buy her music. Go, you know, buy her vinyl or whatever it is. Um, I wanna talk quickly about 
a new show I've been watching called Perfect Match. If you guys have been watching it on Netflix, let me know. Because this show is honestly chaos in in a nutshell. Like, it's, it's like the Netflix producers just chose violence. They woke up one morning and they were like, you know what? I'm going to choose violence. <laughs> um, so... The premise of the show, basically, they put a bunch of Netflix reality stars um, into one villa. And the the goal of the show is to for them to find love. Like, here's the thing about this show is that they really picked the most chaotic people. The casting was kind of impeccable from a drama standpoint, from a storyline standpoint. Like, they picked the most craziest people in the world. First of all, they have Francesca from Love is Blind, who, by the way, needs to get checked. I'm sorry. There needs to be a reunion. I need somebody to check her. Unfortunately, she is the villain this season, as per usual. Um, I'm not going to give too much away, but basically, yeah, she's just like the villain. I think there are a lot of questionable people on there. Um, like this girl named Carousel, who, by the way, I had not known about her show. It's basically like this like dating show where they are like wearing costumes. It's basically like the mask singer, if you've watched that, but like dating, which is like a little weird. I'm just saying it's a little weird. Also, the name Carousel is a bit strange as well. Like be fucking for real. Her name's spelled K-A-R-I-S-E-L-L-E. Like Please, please. She, unfortunately, is giving Pickney the whole season. Like, even down to her confessionals, even down to the way she interacts with the other girlies. Unfortunately, she just does give Pickney, and that's okay. Just own it. You know what I mean? Um, there are some really strong... Actually, no. There, there are a few level-headed people. Not a few. I think that was a bit generous. Maybe one or two. Um, I'm really loving Inez. She is from the Circle France. Um, super level-headed, super, you know, straight to the point, very much a, you know, I get what I want and I and I want it now sort of girl. And we love that for her. I love that. Um, then later on, Bartiste, aka Bacteria, aka, you know, like, fool is on the show. And let me just say, I don't know why they decided to bring him back. Because first of all, clearly he hasn't learned from his mistakes. You know, they probably shot this, I don't know, like a few months after Love is Blind wrapped or Love is Blind aired. And, you know, clearly he didn't learn from his mistakes. He's still being an asshole. Um, also, I just have to say, like, his style is kind of sucky. Like, it's not really... I don't know what he's thinking. Like, it looks like... It's like as if he just picked out some random, you know, combinations from Ross or Winners or, like, um, what's the other one? Marshalls. Like, it's, like, very much a generic moment. He just needs to get help. Like, seek help, Bartiz. <laughs> Hashtag Bartiz seek help 2023. Like, this is getting too out of hand. Netflix, you should not have cast him. I mean, like, he does bring the chaos, he does bring the drama and the delusion, but, like, at this point, 
let's just not let's just not give him more fire same with Francesca like no unfortunately respectfully no I'm good thanks um so I'm only halfway through the season I still have yet to finish it but I will circle back next week and give you my final thoughts because it's like kind of getting juicy you know what I mean also Shane from Love is Blind is on on there and you know I think he I I feel like he somewhat grew but he's still kind of in the same mentality that he was in when he was on Love is Blind I don't think he's completely changed but there's a little bit like he's gotten a little better he's gotten a little better I don't know why all the girlies are into him like he does not give you know nice kind charismatic shame like he's giving weirdo like why would you date like he to me if I were to see him on a dating app I would immediately swipe left like that is a swipe left for me I'm sorry (laughs) I said what I said and yeah I don't care so the last thing I want to talk about is and this is kind of you know in line with the topic of this episode like I mentioned before um you know the universe works in weird ways and this week some major retail news broke um basically Nordstrom Canada has decided to you know shut down all their stores effective immediately and this was kind of a shock to a lot of people but not really like it was it wasn't that shocking it was it was shocking but expected you know what I mean I feel like the retail landscape in Canada is just like completely gone up the like it was it's just not gone well and especially I think the COVID pandemic really aggravated the um retail market so a lot of retail stores are not doing too hot I'll say it but, you know, the reason why I bring this, you know, news up is because I kind of wanted to talk about another retailer who unfortunately went bust very, very quickly in Canada. And that was Target. Target Canada. Um, and I just wanted to quickly shout out my friend Carly for giving me inspo for this topic. Guys, if you have any topics that you want me to talk about please like send me a DM on the Instagram and you know, I will add that to my list. I have a whole like running list of topics that I want to talk about. Okay. So let's talk about the Zellers to Target Canada pipeline. And it's interesting also because, you know, Zellers has announced that they're coming back to Canada, which is like, okay cool like I feel like it didn't it didn't hit the same as I feel like they probably wanted it to like the thing is cool like I love a good you know retail brand I love a good throwback sort of brand I like a good legacy brand as well the thing is like Canada is already on fire like what is that gonna do to help us (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean like it's just I, I remember seeing the announcement and I was like oh, okay cool like okay next you know it's just it's not it wasn't hitting like le- the economy is you know at its wits end the real estate market is absolutely shit but they were like you know what we'll solve that let's bring back sellers let's bring it back <laughs> let me talk to 
to you quickly about sort of Zeller's, the history of Zeller's, how it sort of grew to mass popularity in Canada, and um, the transition from Zeller's to Target, as well as sort of the flopulousness of Target Canada. A lot to cover here, um, but I'm going to you know, we're gonna we're gonna bump through. We're gonna bump through this. Okay. Zellers was established in 1931 by somebody named Walter P. Zeller. And this guy was born in Waterloo County, Ontario, um, on his great grandfather's farm. So wow. Like this is like, you know, giving uh, I don't even know. Like, it's giving Little House in the Prairie vibes. And he began his career in the F.W. Woolworth Company's stockroom in 1912. Um, from there, he worked with the company in different locations, and he eventually moved and gained management experience at uh, Craig's and Metropolitan Stores Limited. Okay? I want to know where they are now. Probably bankrupt. I don't know. But, okay, through his, like, you know, retail management experience, he was like, you know what? Like, let me just start my own store. And he established Zellers in 1931, and it was dubbed a store for thrifty Canadians. And like many retailers, the chain initially operated only in the downtowns of cities, but it wasn't until 1960 when Zellers opened its first suburban location. So when the, I guess the success of the original Zeller store um, was, was happening, there was an American retailer called Schultz United. And they basically saw a potential to take over the business, the, the Zellers business specifically, and they successfully acquired Zellers within months. So they were like, you know what, like, they're making some coins. And, you know, I, I need to hop on this bandwagon, whether you like it or not. So I'm going to acquire you. Okay. So not long after the global economic outlook shifted and oh by the way this is actually it's actually kind of ironic that the original zellers was acquired by an american retailer which kind of almost i guess predicted the target canada acquisition later on um but we'll get into that Anyways, so not long after, the global economic outlook shifted and the Roaring Twenties turned into the Dirty Thirties with, you know, the Great Depression, people going to war. It's just like the whole country, the whole world was in absolute shambles. Um, so then by 1931, Schultz United was out of business and Zellers was basically comp almost bust, almost bust. But... The bankruptcy trustees called in Walter Zeller, who decided after several months of examination to buy the dozen or so stores left in Canada. And so, you know, with his life savings and also with the help of a few friends, we don't know who those friends are. They were not listed, but show me the receipts. I want to know. Um, he bought 14 Schultz United stores in Canada and founded Zellers Limited in 1931. So he basically bought all the stores and was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to own this. I'm a boss. I'm a hashtag boss, babe. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to I'm going to own all of this, uh, all of these locations. 
following the sort of like, I guess, transition of power from Schultz United to um, Walter Zeller, because now he was sort of the sole owner of all these stores, they continued to launch an, a, basically an aggressive growth program from the beginning and open stores almost every year, except, uh, except during World War II. And later on, the company, when it celebrated its 25th anniversary in 1956, the number of stores had grown to 60 across the country, and the company's revenue had expanded from just over $2 million to more than $43 million. That was, you know, at the time. That was the the amount at the time. That's like before inflation, which is kind of crazy. I'm sure that's probably like what? like a billion dollars now, maybe a hundred million dollars now in today's currency. I don't know, potentially. Um, and then on top of that, the workforce um, and the amount of, of employees had increased to over 3,000. Um, the chain's offering of quality goods at low prices continued to ensure the company's health after its founder's passing. Zellers also adapted as the Canadian retail landscape evolved with the growth of suburbanization in the 1960s. And so this was, like I mentioned before, this was when Zellers opened stores in the suburbs while still maintaining its downtown footprint. Um, and so its management team also embraced the emerging trend of large discount stores, providing diverse services to customers all under one roof, period. So in 1960, uh, Zellers opened its first auto center and its first in-store restaurant, period. I, can I just say, the restaurant in Zellers was phenomenal. The vibes in there immaculate the food delicious i would kill to have a meal in a zeller's restaurant again like that that was like that was like peak childhood um if you grew up in canada so um like i said they opened its first store in its first in-store restaurant and its menu and pricing would remain a customer favorite for many many years uh so then the bright red logo was introduced in 1975 and Zellers, this is kind of when Zellers became Zellers. And so this was the, you know, iconic Zellers logo, the red logo, the Zellers with the big Z and, you know, you know the one, you know the vibes, okay? So moving right along to the... I guess the I would call this like the modern era of Zellers. Uh, so this was when the Hudson's Bay Company became the sole owner of Zellers, and they acquired the company in 1978. So when they acquired Zellers, uh, the company, you know, kind of maintained its strategy of growth through store openings and acquisitions, um, and most notably, they launched. Club Z in 1986. And this was um, basically a frequent buyer program and it was highly successful. Uh, within two years of its implementation, the company boasted that 50% of all Canadian households were Club Z members. Honestly, a sleigh. Like, um, basically, points could be redeemed for items in Club Z rewards catalogs, which can we talk about the catalog for one second? Because the catalog, the retail catalog was iconic. Like the Sears one. Do you guys remember Sears catalogs? 
guys. And, like, I would, like, low-key circle the things that I would want, and it would be, like, a jet ski. (laughs) And it would be, like, I don't know, just, like, something so unrealistic. Honestly, the manifestation girlies were really making vision boards with club, with um, Sears catalogs back in the day. Backtracking a little bit to what I was talking about. So, Club Zed. um, Basically, these points could be redeemed for items in these Club Zed catalogs, and... Um, back in 1998, a member could acquire big ticket items such as the Regal Speedboat for 33 million points or a Honda Shadow motorcycle for 13 million points, which is kind of crazy. I'm assuming it would be like, you know, one, like $1 equals one point, maybe. I don't know. But let me just say they're doing a lot better than Sephora's rewards points because Sephora's rewards points, listen, if I'm, if I'm spending 500 points on a little tiny drop of a sample, what, what's the reason? Why, why am I doing that? That's just, it doesn't make sense. Something here is not adding up. So anyways, aside from the club said points, uh, they also introduced a mascot, which I mean, this is just like 80s core um you know every company had to have a mascot obviously like that was just the vibe in the 80s and so he quickly became a crowd favorite especially with children and he was basically like this big giant teddy bear um and every seller store was equipped with a with a zeddy costume and children could join his jetty or jetty <laughs> zeddy cub club Um, and basically they could request, uh, his attendance at their birthday parties or add Zeddy products to their wish list. Um, which is, again, very 80s, 90s core, like, girl, I remember my first birthday party in the Philippines was at Jollibee, and the Jollibee mascot came, and I have pictures with the Jollibee mascot. So I don't know. It's kind of a flex. I'm just saying. But like if you had a birthday party at a McDonald's or I don't know, like a movie theater, like you were cool. You're 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 probably hot now too. So so Zeller has reached its peak in the 1990s uh, with 350 stores in 1999. However, comma. Walmart Canada entered in the 2000s and caused the company to lose significant ground with many stores closing and the number of stores went down to 220. I didn't realize Walmart came in the early 2000s, which is kind of crazy. I feel like it's been in my head. I feel like it's been here for a long, long time, but I don't know. I was, I probably wasn't alive by then. So by January 2011, uh, Hudson's Bay Company announced that it would sell the lease agreements to U.S. chain Target. And so this is when we transitioned from, you know, Zellers Canada to the rise and the introduction and the wave of Target Canada locations. So let's talk about Target Canada because she was floppulous she came and she went. She said, um, get that bread, get that head, then leave. And that's exactly what they did in literally two and a half years. So let's talk about the introduction 
of Target Canada to the Canadian retail uh, space. So I love a timeline, as you all know, and I basically broke this down into like specific dates that I feel are necessary to talk about. So, so let's start in 2011, okay? And so this is January 2013, or no, January 13th, 2011. Guys, I'm I'm totally sober when recording this. It's just very late at night, okay? So my eyes are a little, you know, they're shutting. They're, you know, they're clocking out early. <laughs> so January 13th, 2011. This was when Target announced the purchase of 220 leasehold interest from Zellers Inc., for $1.825 billion. And they also announced that the company, the company announced that it plans to invest more than $1 billion in in-store upgrades before opening 100, 100 to 150 Canadian stores in 2013. Fast forward to August of 2011, and this is when Target kicks off its Canadian hiring campaign. And the company announced that it expects to eventually hire 150 to 200 employees at each store, uh, basically amounting to over 20,000 employees uh, within the organization. So, 2012. Not much happens here, I will say. So, August of 2012, um, Target starts to create a little bit of controversy. They're trying to stir the pot a little bit. Um, so while trying to distance itself from the Zeller stigma, Target implies that it wants little to do with former Zeller's customers who weren't as eager to spend as Target clientele. And this was found out later on um, by the BC Labor Relations Board. Um, this was found out, you know, soon after the company goes bankrupt in Canada. Okay, so 2013. March 5th, 2013, the first three Canadian Target stores open in Ontario, marking the start of Target's Canadian invasion. And Target says it plans to open 21 additional Ontario stores by the end of the month. Fast forward to November 22nd, 2013, uh, Target opens its final stores of the year, achieving its goal of 120 store openings in all Canadian provinces by the end of 2013. And so this is sort of when, I guess, things <laughs> hit, hit, you know, hit a wall. This is when things start to go a little bit downhill. Um, so this is 2014. We're going to move straight into 2014. I, okay, wait, before I do, I just want to talk about my first Target Canada experience. I personally, this might be an unpopular opinion. I did not mind Target in Canada. I did not mind it. I thought it it gave the same atmosphere as the American stores. Obviously, you know, the pricing was com that's a whole other topic, but you know, I feel like some things they did manage to bring into uh into Canada and like some products that they were selling in the states, they you know, still managed to have in the Canadian stores not speaking for every single Canadian store obviously there was sort of this like stock issue that I'll talk about a little later but 
you know, it was cute. It was cute. It was giving what it needed to give. I think, you know, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't a store for me personally that I would go in every single day to buy every, like, all my essentials, essentially. Ooh, my essentials, essentially. Um, it, it definitely wasn't that. I think it was definitely one of those stores that if I needed to get something at Target, I would go to Target specifically. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't a store that I would just, like, go to for everything. It didn't replace my Walmart runs. It didn't replace my real Canadian superstore runs. It wasn't that. But, you know, Target was giving. I, I personally love the vibe. I like that it, it just felt very American to just walk into a Target. You know, you go to the Starbucks counter, order a Starbucks, walk around the store, see what new clothes they have. It was cute. It was cute. Um, obviously this was not, <laughs> this was not the majority opinion at the time, but let's get into the downfall of Target, shall we? So 2014, this was, okay, so this was February of 2014. Target reports a loss of 941 million US dollars on its Canadian operations for 2013. Revenue was a disappointing 1.3 billion US dollars, which I don't know what the target goal was um, in 2013, but, you know, I'm assuming that wasn't that great considering, you know, they went really hard on the stores, um, on the store openings, uh, rather, and, you know, they opened a lot of stores in Canada. Clearly, people weren't keen to buy from them so it was flopping it was flopping immediately and in may of 2020 the president of of target canada tony fisher is shown the door a day prior to target's quarterly earnings release um they were basically cleaning house in in the corporate in the executive team and so the senior vice president of merchandising operations mark Schindel is now promoted to the lead of the canadian team the following day they announced their quarterly earnings release and <laughs> let me tell you it's not looking too hot for target canada at this point um so they announced a 211 million dollar loss for its Canadian operations in the first quarter of 2014. And so basically they're scrambling, right? Like they're like, oh my God, like besties, this is not good. So in July of 2014, Brian Cornell is named the new CEO of Target. And among his list of priorities is to repair the already dying Canadian arm of the company. Um, and, you know, he basically adapts this like i guess hands-on approach um he made regular visits to the canadian stores across the country just like you know asking for employee feedback you know being very uh, yeah hands-on with the employees um so yeah that happens he's put in place i feel like i mean clearly it, it didn't really work out <laughs> just given what actually happened, despite its financial woes, <laughs> they were like, guys, we know we're kind of going under, but you know what would make it better? Let's open more stores. Like, yes. So 
the retailer in August of 2014, uh, the retailer announces three new stores opening in time for back to school shoppers. Awesome. Like, they're like, oh my God, like, let's play the delusional card. Okay. Like, we know that we're not doing well. (laughs) Let's open more stores. Okay. So, fast forward to November of 2014. Target announces a $211 million loss <laughs> for, for the third quarter of 2014 in Canada. Sorry, I'm laughing because, like, this is, like, really, really bad. I don't think a retailer has done this poorly in Canada, like, ever, really. <laughs> so, so, they announce another loss, which I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I understand why they need to do it. Obviously, like, for legal reasons, you have to, like, announce whatever but dude if you know you're flopping why why must you open more stores why must you keep going so they announced a major loss in the third quarter of 2014 and in a conference call the ceo brian cornell said for target to quote succeed in canada we will need a major step change in performance And the fact is, given where we are performing today, we need to see improved financial performance from every Target store in Canada over time. Which, I mean, if you're blaming the employees for poor performance, I think you might have a wrong idea of what's actually going on. So then in 2015, January of 2015, Target announced its plan to exit Canada, citing its inability to find a realistic scenario that would get Target Canada to profitability until at least 2021. Now, that's crazy. Like, they took so many L's during the the first couple of years that they were in, in business that it would have taken them until 2021 to basically um, make profit and, like, be a profitable company, which is kind of... That's crazy. That is shooting for the moon, let me tell you. So they eventually all liquidated their stores very quickly, very rapidly, probably what, you know, Nordstrom Canada is kind of in the middle of doing right now, which, by the way really excited for the sales very excited for the sales not gonna lie obviously this like is a really big blow to the retail industry and i'm sure a lot of you know these employees um are probably suffering right now however i gotta put me first lucius i gotta put me first so (laughs) i'm excited for these sales let me tell you so you know now that the dust has settled and, you know, Target no longer exists in Canada. It's been well over, you know, six years now. Or no, sorry. Oh, my God. It's been like eight years. Uh, God, I am getting old these days. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about why Target, you know, flopped as much as it did in Canada. And what were the factors that went behind its floppage? in Canada. So 
there was a there's a few things that I kind of narrowed down. The first one being inventory. Basically because they swiftly opened so many stores in the first two years of operation, they never really properly implemented a supply chain system that worked. Um, and, you know, as a result, the shelves were overstocked with certain products or were severely understocked in other areas. And it left a lot of its shelves bare, which I sort of remember at the time being like, dude, where is the inventory? <laughs> like, where is she? I want to know. Um, so that was sort of one thing. I think another thing as well, um, in speaking of, I guess, the low inventory, you know, they really adapted this like aggressive retail takeover in Canada. And, you know, I feel like, especially in the Canadian market, you can't really go at things very aggressively and expect to have good results from it. Um, you know, people were still, I guess, mourning the loss of Zellers. And I don't know, like, they they weren't looking for a quick replacement um, or a quick fix. And I think that's likely due to a misread of the Canadian market from from Target's end. Uh, it seemed like they didn't really have an idea of, you know, what the Canadian market is and what or how they should cater to the Canadian market. And so because of that, you know, and, you know, I think their ultimate goal was just to make money. And unfortunately, that does, you can't really do that here in Canada. You kind of need to have a solid understanding of the Canadian market, of the Canadian retail space in order to succeed. Um, and, you know, Target just didn't really do their research. Personally speaking, I mean, so, so in speaking of that, you know, I think another factor of it was the pricing. Um, Canadian shoppers were deeply affected when Target introduced the same products available in the US at basically a higher markup in their Canadian stores. And obviously, there are a lot of factors that go into that, you know, shipping to or from the US to Canada involves different, you know, tariffs, the the conversion rate of US to you the US dollar to the Canadian dollar was not the same. And so, you know, because of this, Canadian shoppers were eagerly optimistic when Target announced that they were coming to Canada. But you know, when they came into Canada and people were actually shopping in their stores, they were like, wait, this is really freaking expensive. And, you know, that sort of turned them off. And I think also the reason why people were sort of turned off by the pricing was, I think people expected it to be similar to what the US had in terms of pricing, because although Target in the US is kind of like, you know, kind of a middle grade department store, I think people still go to Target for the deals. And they didn't have the deals here in Canada. Everything was like severely marked up. Um, so that just didn't work out in their favor, unfortunately. Another reason is because of the competition. They came at a time when, first of all, retail was already very competitive in Canada. But they 
came at a time when there were already these like established markets and these established retailers existing in Canada. So for example, Walmart, you know, uh, they came in the early 2000s or the late 90s, but they already have this like, you know, well-known presence in the country. Like people go to Walmart for the deals. They were highly successful here in Canada. Um, And then in addition to that, you also had like other Canadian big box stores like Loblaws, Canadian Tire, who again, already had a an existing you know clientele the landscape at which they were trying to come at was very very competitive you already had all these like existing customers in other stores why would you go you know to a target when you already have a loyal fan base in these other retailers you know what i mean like it just doesn't make sense um again probably another misread of their research into the Canadian market. Another reason is there was no online presence for Canadian targets. The the, um, Target Canada's lack of online e-commerce came at a time when rivals like Walmart and Amazon had already expanded their um, online businesses here. So you know, they didn't have the e-commerce, you couldn't buy things online, and people were already getting used to the whole, you know, purchasing things online and getting them the next day. You know, Amazon was kind of big at the time, so um, to think that there was no e-commerce, I think that was a huge misstep in their rollout. I think a lot of it really boiled down to the fact that Target didn't really do their research when it came to what was going on in the present Canadian retail space. And unfortunately, they left and are nowhere to be seen. There are, I'm sure there are like tons and tons of like empty um, Target stores that still exist in Canada. I know when I had, um, I did, I had my COVID vaccine, um, one of the places that they had, you know, vaccination clinics was an old uh, Target space, which was kind of eerie. But, you know, Target, I still love you. You know, every time I go to the border, I'm gonna go to Target. Uh, It's just like this like really cute, fun experience. And I think like, I think, you know, what they could have done better, they could have definitely opened less stores in that short span of time. I think they opened way too many stores um, in the beginning. I think they really should have just like tested it out in maybe like a big, you know, metropolitan city like Toronto and, you know, dip their feet in the Toronto market and see how that sort of uh, nets out before they expand into other regions. I think the pricing was really weird. I think the inventory was whack. It just, it wasn't, I just, I think they weren't really set up for success and they really tried to go at it very aggressively, but you really can't do that in Canada. Um, Just considering the population of Canada is, you know, equivalent to the population of California, you can't really um, 
act the same way here in Canada than you do in the States. So Target, you will be missed here in Canada, but I will still be visiting you in in the in the States. So alright. So that was the end of the Target Canada story. The 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 Zellers to Target Canada um pipeline was so interesting to watch so interesting to watch it unfold and flop you know very quickly very fast and it's definitely a really great case study into why you need to be doing your research doing research is very very important don't forget to do your research and that is the lesson that I, you know, impart to all my listeners in this episode. Do your fucking research, okay? So that is it for me today. I did my research, by the way, for this episode. So <laughs> um, th- that is all I have to talk about today. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. If you liked this episode, please don't forget to rate and don't forget to subscribe. Also, guys, I am on Instagram. So if you're listening to this, don't forget to follow me. Um, It's Was That a Fever Dream podcast, all one word. And yeah, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope, you know, there aren't any more negative news in Canada because honestly, we don't need any more. <laughs> we, we just don't need any more negativity okay bring in the positivity that's all i'm gonna say and not in like a weird like toxic positivity way like more so in a we have been gone we have been going through so much shit in the past three years like it just needs to stop just give us a break give us a break to breathe give us some time to breathe because we are still burned out Okay. Um, I hope you guys are not burned out and I hope you guys (laughs) have a wonderful week. Um, If you are burnt out, go for a walk, get some fresh air, go off your phone for like the day. Um, And yeah, (laughs) we'll talk to you guys next week. Sorry if this video, sorry if this podcast app was a little chaotic, but that's just me, you know? Um, so yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you guys on the flip side. Bye.